You're listening to the best of ITW, brought to you by PopGuide and WikiLeaf. The new and deadly menace lurking behind closed doors. Marijuana, the burning weed with its roots in hell. On this episode, ITW welcomes legendary hip-hop artist and cultural pioneer, Mellow Man Ace. We are going to recap our experience yes. with Mellow Man Ace. Yes, yes. I didn't know much about Mellow Man Ace, admittedly. Um, Legend, icon. I, I know a lot now. And yeah. I, like, I, it's, it's remarkable. Yeah, it was great getting to meet him. He was like a Latin, he's a Latin icon. He's like part of the fabric of California. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And he broke through with hits and he's fucking rapping shit in Spanish, dude. No one was ever doing that. He's a pioneer of that. Yeah. Like, and now it's just normal, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. like what the fuck? Like he was a part of true change. Do you, you remember, know, do you remember shift. that happening? Like, yeah, when absolutely. That, how was it, how was it received? But like, I know obviously it was by Spanish speaking people, but the, did everybody get on board? It was huge. Cause, uh, uh, there was him and then also a, Another breakthrough artist was Gerardo. You remember the song Rico Suave? Yeah. yeah. He's the first Interscope artist. And he's fucking rapping in Spanish. You know what I mean? It was wow. fucking groundbreaking. Rico. So, it, yeah, because you heard nothing. You saw nothing on TV. Mm-hmm. There was mm-hmm. nothing. You know what I mean? There's nothing. Mm-hmm. But everywhere you look, there's a fucking Mexican. You know what I mean? So with those dudes kind of opened the fucking floodgates for everyone else to come through and be like, fuck yeah. You know? And Wow. For dudes without guys like Mello, there'd be, I mean, how would we all be killing it? Like, you know, it's kind of cool. And what was, do you remember what the group was? Because he was in a group with uh, his brother, his brother was Sen. Was Sen Dog, yeah. So, do you remember what that was called? No, oh, I know we what it's called, but now it's going to bother me. But yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, he, he was a part of that whole crew early on, man. Yeah. And uh, he kind of led the way. I mean, it's fucking Sen Dog's brother. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like, what the fuck? He was he was really really uh, vulnerable with how he, that kind of made him feel at a younger age when Sendog left you know right. their thing and he started getting bigger and that was really cool too. It was it was, yeah. it, it was nice to hear people just honestly talking about that kind of shit and I don't know if that's yeah. a power of weed or what but uh, and, he just opened up and it was just a sincere person and it was really fucking cool to talk to him. I think it's cool that he inspired like a generation of young people. Of I mean, he made music that everybody liked. Yeah. But uh, he inspired a generation of Latino people to fucking be strong and fucking go for it. You know what I mean? It's pretty cool. Did you notice when that started happening, like th- that, like a wave of like? Uh, oh yeah, it it changed, man. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, and then and especially with Mexican hip hop, there was a lot of it. You know what I mean? But uh, 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 just Latino rap in general, it just it really did hit. You know what I mean? And a lot of it may not have been mainstream or whatever, but it had yeah. a fucking massive audience you know mm-hmm. so it's pretty cool and you can really put a lot of that on him you know that's awesome yeah because i mean i in the states i mean he was just like on the fucking radio yeah you know you're just like holy shit that's what you know yeah. Yeah. yeah that's cool and you're saying he, he put out something i mean he's still putting stuff out i mean like a few years ago he had he's, he's, a song called southgate that i liked a lot you know yeah. but uh and that's I where mean, they all grew up. I think that's where, remember his son was telling us? Oh, yeah. He's yeah. from Southgate. 
the Southgate Downey area. Yeah. We were just talking about Downey today. You know, one time I was on a podcast with Sen some years ago. Uh, and then uh, we did that podcast with him. And then one night I was out and I was in Downey. And we went to this bar. It's, what's it called? Like Starland or Starlight or something like that. And uh, we went there. And it was kind of a hood bar, but it was like a death metal night. We went to see some band. And I walked in. Sen was at the bar by himself. <laughs> and he's just sitting there drinking. And I was like, whoa. And I'm like, I'm not going to bother the guy. He's not going to remember me. And my friend was like, dude, you should say hi. Mm -hmm. And I was like, ah, you know. And we're walking by. And I was like, hey, what's up, Sam? Mm. I don't know if you remember me, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, yo, what up, E? I was like, holy oh. shit, this dude's a real one. Mm -hmm. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like, he really, like, he would remember any one of us. You know, mm -hmm. like, it was cool. And I was like, oh, shit. Because mm -hmm. I told him, you know, and then Into the Weeds podcast, da, da, da. Oh. You know, it was, nice. it was cool. But... That guy was – those guys are real. Guys like him and Mello will go somewhere to just fucking see a local band and hang. Mm -hmm. and, you know what I mean? They're just part of the fabric of our scene. It's cool, man. Yeah, like like you know, our culture. Like cultural icons, man. Like Mello seemed definitely like uh, like humble and like, uh, like yeah. very – but he changed a culture. Absolutely, wow. he did. He changed hip hop culture. Do you, I wonder? Do you think? Like, do you think he recognizes that? Like, he must recognize it to a certain degree. But do you think he? I think he recognizes it, and I think he knows. But he's got to know. But you know, being in that position is just bizarre. How do you process that? Because it's How such you, a huge thing now. Yeah, and and also like, I guess when some people think about stuff like that, they. Like, he changed everything, but he doesn't – he hasn't reaped the benefits of what he created like some of the biggest artists out yeah. there today. You know what I mean? Like, he doesn't have Pitbull's money, you know? Yeah. But he – I'm sure yeah. I'm sure he has a lot of fucking money, more money than yeah, I've yeah. ever seen in my yeah. life. But uh, it, it's interesting, you know? Like, Steve Soto from The Adolescents told me one time because they won this, like – Legends fucking crazy award at this like music sure. awards thing. And I was like, hey man, that's really cool you're doing that. And he he texts me back, unfortunately, Ephraim, being a legend doesn't pay any bills. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. You know what I mean? And like I think guys like him should be more recognized. I mean, he's mm -hmm. huge and sold fucking Massive. shit tons of records and yeah. huge hits, but I I I don't know. I just it's, think it should be bigger. It's kind of because you know, I think Sendog said he's know? still like he, like he lives in South. Dog. Yeah, definitely. He, but South Gate. Yeah, but it's uh, it's pretty cool. Like, and he also changed you know a lot, right? As well, yeah. it's, it's kind of cool that like when you know you, they change a culture, but like like the, a man can change the culture, but the the man doesn't necessarily change. Yeah, exactly. And that's pretty interesting that that can happen. It's, a, it's fucking a trip, man. Yeah, Sen's still in his hood. Yeah, it's wild. Well, it, it was great having Mellow Man on, and that was. Uh, Everybody should check him out if you don't know him. He, unfortunately, like Spanish rap doesn't translate as much up up to Canada as uh, as it obviously does it does down there. There's just yeah. not a lot of Spanish speaking people here. Um, but uh, that was a privilege. And if you don't know him and you are in Canada and you're listening to this, definitely check that guy out. It's the fucking <laughs> Mellow Manis is the shit. It's the shit. It's awesome. Shout out Mellow. And it was a pleasure to have him on the show. Yeah, pleasure. So check out Mellow Manis. You do your voice. You do it. You do it. Okay. Fast. This is <laughs> <laughs> this is the IT. What is it? 
you're listening. <laughs> you're listening to the ITW podcast, and this is the episode. <laughs> I can't say it. What is it? <laughs> you're listening to the best of ITW podcast, Mellow Man Ace. Devil All right. Mellow Man Ace. Mellow Man Ace. Holy shit. Thanks so much for coming. And that's you guys. Yeah, thanks just so much for coming. It was kind of last minute. You guys hooked it up, and we really appreciate you making no the track out here, man. It's, Absolutely, it means man. a lot I mean, to us. It's all love, man. It's all in the name of music and, yes. you know what I mean, and weed, you know? Yeah. So that's how we do it. Yeah, Shout absolutely. out uh, Juan Vaca for making this happen. Yeah, thank you so much. Us. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Shout yeah. out to my, to my man Juan. Juan. He called me. Actually, he sent me a text. Yesterday I had a long day, but he sent me a text like an hour before I got home. Right, okay. and I was gonna. I got home. I said, "I'm gonna pour me a glass of wine, yeah. and I'm gonna chill." And as I'm writing him back, he called me. You know what I mean? He let me know about about the show and the podcast, and how you guys had my brother on before. Yeah. And I was like, "Yeah, no doubt." I mean, when somebody that of a good person, a good brother, brings you something like this, you you're there. Wow, that's awesome, man. Shout out Juan Vaca. Yeah, fuck. Yeah. That's fucking cool. Seriously, thank you. Thank you so much, dude. I really appreciate that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And likewise, man, any friend of Juan's, obviously. But uh, so, yeah, let's get into so it. So you were born, you, you were also like, so this is, uh, for those who don't know, Mellow Man is uh, Brothers of Sand Dog. Are you older? You're older brother, right? I'm the younger brother. You're the younger brother, but he was dancing for you. You got the yeah, hip hop first. Absolutely. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Really? Really? Well, see, that the way that happened, I'll, I'll give you a little background, okay. you know. Um, I was, we were all Cypress Hill, all of us. And then one day, my dad woke up with a hair in his ass or something, and he kicked me out of the house because I couldn't hold a job, right? What? So I had to move to the hood house where every, all the parties took place for us, you know, and, you know, it was just chaos, you know, and that's where Is I that was living. Is that the Hill house? No, no, no. The not different house? No, no, no. That wasn't even on Cypress Hill. Oh. It was on the far extreme side of the city. Mm. And over there is where we used to go and, and just get fucked up. You know what I mean? And it was a cool house in a yeah. nice neighborhood. But yeah. we, the parents, they, first of all, there was a mother, a son who was our homeboy and, and his sister. That's all who lived there. And so they just wanted anybody to come over and party and get off the street. Don't party in the street. Party oh, in the house. Right. That was his mom's philosophy, right? Hey, yeah. So I moved over there. And in in that, wanting to get back home and in good graces with my with my dad, is why I I jumped into I got to do something for myself mode. You know what I mean? I got to I got to do something now. Right. Mm -hmm. And and so when the opportunity, I went up with uh, DJ Muggs yeah. uh, to Delicious Vinyl for something that he was working on with Seven A Three. Right. And and the guys there, Mike Ross and Matt Dyke, who's now resting in peace. Um, better known as the Dust Brothers, yeah. presented yeah. me the opportunity to sign to Delicious Vinyl after they heard me. And me needing to get my shit together, you know, according to my dad, is why I had to step away from the group and actually do something, mm -hmm. you know. And then I, once I got in with them, I tried to bring Sen and Muggs and, and B in, and Muggs was like, no, fuck no, they're going to fuck him over. Don't Let's not sign with them. Let's not sign with them. I'm like... 
to this day, I'm friends with Delicious Vinyl. They never fucked yeah. me. And in fact, when Capitol Records came looking for me, they let my me spread my wings and That's go cool. ahead and let them buy out mm. my contract and whatnot. So the, the 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 first group you had was that DVX. DVX. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And then you just went solo and just went by your. No, name. no, no, no. DVX was was Cypress Hill. It, it it is Cypress Hill. It was all of us, including members of. Like the only Mexican member in NWA, Crazy D, he was in the group as well. Wow. Uh, but we were already like changing from, we went from DVX to Hill Tribe okay. to Cypress Tribe. And then when Tribe Called Quest came out, we had to take the tribe off. Oh. And so we went with Cypress Hills because there's a city in Brooklyn called Cypress Hills, Brooklyn, New York, right? Right. <coughs> so... It made perfect sense since we, me and my brother lived on Cypress. We're the only original members who lived on Cypress Avenue. That's crazy. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, and, and then I brought Be Real in because he used to be in my breakdance crew. Right. Okay. And then um, I introduced B to Sin. Sin was a little older than us. So then um, there was another guy by the name of Tomahawk Funk who then went on to start a group called Funk Dubious, oh, okay? Mm -hmm. He went to high school and junior high with us, so he was part of that group as well. And that's how that went down. But it was, I don't know, sometimes I like to, I like to think it was freakish and accidental, but studying guys' behavior now 30 plus years after, it kind of seems like maybe it wasn't. You know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe it wasn't, and maybe, uh, maybe you know, one guy was trying to get me out of the way, or you know what I mean? Present oh, really? uh, the hungry, starvy guy with a possibility. I don't know, you know wow. what I mean? You never, you never know what, what somebody's trap. thinking, you know, in the yeah. room. And and one thing I've come to learn is, you know, don't ever underestimate the power of the next man's thoughts, you know. Wow, that's heavy. That that's huge. Yeah. <laughs> so I say that again. Don't it's underestimate both. the power of the of the next man's thoughts. Oh, the next minute's thoughts, yeah. right. Hmm. Wow. So after that point, uh, hmm. you went on to do your own thing. Yeah, I had, I had to get in good graces back with my family. Yeah. So I, what, I what, went, what, what, what had happened with your family? Do you mind talking about it? Yeah, or? yeah. I said my dad kicked me out of the house. Yeah, no, I knew that. But, yeah. Like, yeah, but like, what led up to that? Just, just bad, I just, just didn't want to hold a job. Oh, okay. you know what I mean? Like, okay. I, I, I bounced around. I should say I, I, I just bounced around from job to job to job. And he got sick and tired of it. Whereas me as the younger brother, you know, he, he kind of forced me to become a man faster, mm -hmm. if you will. Right. You know what I mean? Um, and, and then again, I don't know, because Sendog always held a job to keep Pops off his ass. And whereas I was like, nah, fuck this. I'm going to make it somewhere. You know what I mean? I'm going to mm -hmm. make it. And I believe in myself so much that that's eventually what would happen. Mm -hmm. awesome. you know. So when I came destiny. back with my test presses, he let me back in the house. Really? really? Yeah. Like, look, it's a douchey move, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Like, I would never kick one of my kids out of the house. You know what I mean? Like, you have kids? I do. I have three kids. Oh, wow. How old are they? 29, 23, and 19. Right on. So, but I would never do that. Like, you know what I mean? Like, but, uh, you know, he's old school, and old school parents were like that. You oh, know? yeah, yeah. Not mm. under my roof, Different you know, and all that type man. of stuff. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. One of your kids makes music, right? Yeah, my middle son, <laughs> Kazal Organism. 
he's, he's name. produced for you? Yeah, he has. That's yeah. cool. How, how's that working with your son? Man, I, I'll tell you, I, I remember the first couple, when he first made his first beat that I thought I could rap on it, and we went to the studio, and just looking across the board was like, and seeing him, you know, being a little sponge, soaking up what the engineer was telling him and stuff like that, it was just, it, it was it was more than surreal, man. It was like, you know, like, I would have never thought, if somebody would have told me this 20 years ago, I would have said, get the fuck out of here, man. You, you know what I mean? That's bullshit. Like That's incredible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I would have never believed it, you know. So to make him part of the act now is, it's just been amazing because he, he's just learned so much. Wow. So, and he DJs for you live? Yeah. Who was, who was your DJ during that first solo record? <laughs> during the first album, it was Julio G., Julio G, dang, yeah, he's good. Julio G, and that's only because Muggs had then gone on to work with 783, uh-huh. and they got a deal, I believe, at Geffen Records, right? And and when Muggs left, another thing that happened was, you know, it, it helped me to see, like, I can't wait for another man's, you know, life to, you know what I mean? Like, if, yeah. he's, if Muggs, Muggs showed us, if he's leaving the 783, yeah. the show don't stop. What are the rest of you going to do? You got to work. You got to work. You got to do something. And so a a little bit of it was part of that. You know what I mean? I had to do on, not just because Muggs left, but because Pops kicked me out. So, yeah. So so Muggs was pretty instrumental in all, I got a lot of you guys coming together and all that kind of stuff, it sounds like, between you and and Sen. But no, to be honest with you, Muggs was the last piece we added because he wasn't from our hood. He's from the East Coast. He's from the East Coast and he, he lived in Bell Gardens at the time. Right. Um, so it was the core MCs, really, mm-hmm. Send Dog, and, and I'll tell you everybody's original rap name. Okay, okay. great. Okay, Send Dog was Haji Sheik, because he was a big Egyptian lover fan. And okay, Egyptian yeah. had the Egypt and the I remember thing. Egypt. So his Egypt. name was yeah. MC Haji Sheik. That's great. All right, and then uh, Tomahawk Funk, his name was uh, Trouble T. Okay, and then there was Crazy D. That was always Crazy D. And then there was myself. I was MC Frosty. Okay. And then there was Be Real. When I first showed him how to rhyme, his name was Chili Chill. Really? Really? Yeah. Chili Chill. And then he would change it to Be Chill and then Real Chill. And then it landed on Be Real. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And uh, like Tomahawk and, and Be Real, they, like I can remember when I first like started hearing like all Soul Assassins records, you know, in the early '90s when I which is, they, they they had very similar rap like rap rap styles in, in the way, or like at the time when it was presented, they sounded very similar. Like there was like kind of I don't know, like a similar flow, a similar flow and stuff like that. So that kind of makes a lot of sense. Was that something that was kind of cognizant, or do you think that was just no? Honestly, it wasn't because to me, Tomahawk really had a style all his own. His thing was like. Because he was half Indian and half black, his whole thing was about swinging tomahawks at you and stabbing you with like a a sharp right. object type of thing. And he had this on beat, off beat cadence that he would like to go off of. And then B was more, <coughs> excuse me, um, B was more. He was more lyrical. He was more lyrical and linguistic about it. His, his I think one of his favorite MCs at that time was like Rakim. You wow. know, and, and at that time we'd write for each other, you know, like, mm. oh, hey, man, I wrote you this one. Check it out. See if you like it. That's you know? cool. 
And then he wrote one for me called Tacapella on the first album. Yeah. And then wow. I wrote Real Estate on their first album and really? stuff like that because that's how it was. That's it cool. was a unity mm-hmm. about it that we're like going to all help almost. each other up, you know. And if, you know, I write something for you that's a good idea, use it and rock with it. You know what I mean? That's cool. Yeah. Wow. So how long, when, was it 89 when the first solo record came out? No, actually, the first solo single came out in 87. 87, When I signed with Delicious Vinyl, and we just had a single deal. Because I'm thinking about that era of all the great records that came out at that time, and your record was... Boom, right up there with well, yeah, Paul's that, Boutique. Thank and you. And I mean, some of the, the most classic hip-hop albums, you're part of that school of the most classics ever. You thank know? you, thank and you, yeah. d- I mean... Well, I mean, that record did a lot. That first album later in 89, which spawned the record Mentirosa that really yeah. broke it wide open for Latinos in hip-hop, that album was recorded between 88 and 89, right? And then the first single off that, album was Mentirosa and it just took off Blew up. where we created the bilingual Spanglish rap style yeah. you know the Spanglish style and and I think once that happened it, it, everything else happened for everybody else the doors well. open for everyone yeah because I now you know I, like we were just eating at the restaurant and these guys are from Canada and there's like mm-hmm. oh whoa the music's in Spanish I'm yeah. Like, yeah, it's always in Spanish here. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, yeah. It, you know what I mean? And yeah. Because of you. Well, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> well, I mean, crazy, I mean, hip hop, like hip hop. But you know what I mean? You're, I like, yeah. You helped us break that door open. I'm like, Dude, this Thank is you. normal now. I love it. <laughs> Thank you, brother. Thank you. Thank you. That, and that, that would have been, that, that's kind of what would have been the catalyst to be like when all the whole cycle realm eventually turned into me, like the Mexi- like the Spanish yeah. influence over like rap. I, like we don't even, like we know of cycle realm at home. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think the real, like real, real hip hop heads do. I'm sure yeah. like follow it. But like until I was down here, you know, in Venice here, with you guys, I was like, I didn't, I didn't realize that there was a whole fucking other subgenre. And then, you know, like there's, it's such a cool culture that we don't get up in Canada enough of. Right, you know what right. I mean? It's fucking kind of a bummer. Well, it's a huge bummer. Actually, because yeah. it's all fucking mm-hmm. great, you know what I mean. I, I wish I wish it was more integrated, because it's, it sounds awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah like, like hip hop like, sounds great in Spanish, man. It really, really does. We got as a Spanibus in Spain. Um, uh, I don't know, a couple months ago, and it, it was all Spanish rap, and I was like, this is fucking awesome. Like, I don't even know what anybody's saying, but it just sounds so great. Sure. What was kind of the idea to, to, to was it was it more of a cultural thing, or was it more of a sonic thing for you to try to start doing that? Well, it was it was really more of a cultural thing because I had heard, only heard one other MC do it, <clears throat> and that was on a record called "The Disco Dream" by a group called The Mean Machine in 1981. But it hadn't been done since then, since '87, when I picked up the torch of where he left off. He did a small piece of Spanish in an all English record on Sugar Hill Records. All right, it was on yeah. Sugar Hill uh, Records. And, and I remember listening to it for the first time, and I said, man, I want to be like that guy. So I knew that once I got on, I wanted to bust in Spanish. That's cool. Plus, you know, that's kind of how I built my buzz in the city, was rapping and battling dudes in Spanish in 1980, from 85 to 86 in there. Really? 84, 84, 85, 86. And then I met Delicious Vinyl in 87. So we were battling dudes. Me and my brother were the only ones that rapped in Spanish at that time. Um, so we wanted to make sure that that was part of what we gave the public once we actually started making records. Right. And at the time, what you're doing is really new. I've, I, and, and I've noticed with different groups and music over time, oftentimes they don't know who to put you on tour with. 
Yeah. Or where, where to, they want to categorize you, but they can't. Was that yeah. an issue for you at all? Yeah, I'll be honest with you. The, the first genre or, or sector of music that, that took to, to what I was doing specifically, I'll, I'll talk about myself a little bit, was freestyle music. Oh, yeah. The guys from New York and, you know, that Free were doing great. freestyle high music, energy. high energy stuff. Yeah. Um, they accepted me before the hip hop culture did. Really? Yeah. And, and, you know, that's probably just the way it happened. You know what I mean? Right. I, um, they gravitated to the music first, you know, Absolutely. because it had Spanish and most of those groups are Spanish or Latino. Latin people, yeah. Um, and then would come, you know, the hip hop culture and all those guys. Because remember, the first single on the album was not Mentirosa. I'm sorry. It was it was called Rhyme Fighter. Okay. Rhyme Fighter. And... Um, that kind of set the the mood for like where B would get the style for his his voice sounding like that. Right. You know what I mean? Wow. And when That's you crazy. when you think about it like that, then you see the impact that, you know, we were making. That's incredible. And and so after you did that, you you witnessed the whole wave. I mean, everything I've seen everybody everything come up. changed. Like everything yeah. changed after that. Yeah. I mean, tell them, now I'm sure there's guys rapping in Spanish and English that have no, I don't even know why they're so rapping a lot in Spanish of them and English, don't. you know? A lot of them don't. And it, you know, it's like whatever to me now, but realistically it's sad when you don't know the root of what you're, you're doing. Right. And, and waking up and taking full advantage of something that I had to create that didn't exist at the time. Right. Mm -hmm. And then when you meet me, you don't give it up. You don't, yeah, you man, know what I mean? I'm respect. not asking for a check. You know what I mean? Just, yeah. Motherfucker, give me some props. Be cool. You know what yeah, I mean? You're yeah. using my style, and I'm not checking you for it. Exactly. Because uh, when I came up, that was against hip-hop law. Oh, yeah. Everybody wasn't trying yeah. to sound like everybody. No, and you couldn't bite. To yeah. bite somebody's style, you... Terrible, yeah. You get de dealt with back yeah. then, you mm -hmm. know? You get yeah. called whack and kicked out of the club and... Yeah. yeah. That's, that's, why that's the, the era I came up in. Music from, from way back to now, that's where it's different. Now... You find a million groups or musicians or rappers or whoever that are like, I'm trying to be like this guy. I'm trying to sound yeah. like that. I want to sound like this band. Whereas, and back that's in the okay. Day, and that's okay. Right. As long as you add on to what that person did, make it yours. You see yeah. what I'm saying? Like, yeah. when I heard Mr. Shick of the Mean Machine, he did that one little piece. But when I came into it, I said, I'm going to do it bilingual or right. Spanglish. And create some. I added on to the style. Made your you own. You know what I'm saying? It. Yeah. So it's okay to learn from somebody. Hell, we all learn from well, somebody. Yeah, yeah. But but you have to twist it up, lace it down with your own shit. Right. What are you what what did you do to make it different? Or are you just using the same formula that worked for this man? Right, exactly. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And exactly. you know how record companies are. Oh, they'll snap the minute up the something next one. sounds off, they want to duplicate it, replicate it, regurgitate yep. it. Yep. yep. You know? Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what happened. So, so uh, when you were saying, like, you got embraced by the freestyle, the high energy crowd, some of the New York scene. So, did you end up on some dance tours rather than just straight up hip hop tours? Absolutely. And, and, and it went well. Yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. I love it. Yeah, yeah. Cross country and all that stuff. And who who I remember, are you touring with? I mean, the biggest name in freestyle, I remember uh, Stevie B. Yeah. Stevie B was, he put us on his tour, me and Kid Frost, first before any of the rappers. No way. And, and at that time, we were, 
I remember specifically, and I'll speak again about myself. We were being ambassadors for hip hop in countries that, and I don't want to say they were racist, Latin right. countries that I would visit for the first time, never heard rap music, never right. gave it a, sh- a chance. And they would ask me right on camera on the TV show, why are you doing this black music? And I'm like, know black music? And I'd have to educate them and yeah. let them know that hip hop started in the South Bronx with blacks and Latinos exactly. and white guys and, they, and everybody who was there. Yeah. And so when we started to present it to them in their language is when they finally accepted it. So we were really breaking a lot of wow, ground. That's incredible. Globally. They just didn't know any better. They just had no, they had no, no idea. exposure to it at all. No. Wow. No. That's, that, that must have felt incredible to be there at the cusp of something completely brand new to someone, you know? Yeah. yeah. Did you face much resistance from it? Other than just the press asking weird questions? Did people, was it embraced? You know what? The, the early years between 1985, senior year of high school, 86, 87, right before I met Delicious Vinyl, we got shut down. The door was shut a lot. And there were some shady guys, old timers who had already been in the business and they wanted to sign all of us as a collective. And I remember uh, somebody by the name of Humphreys I forget his first name. He used to be in a, he was on an old le- label from back in the day and he was an old soul singer and blah, blah, blah. He wanted to sign us. And as a unit, we said, no, no, no. You know, Muggs was like, definitely no. <clears throat> then we shopped. Isn't that how labels used to fuck over all the old Motown crews? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And then we went to uh, Dick Griffey over at, um, what was the name of that label? He had down off a, uh, I forget the name of the label. Yeah, you you know, Dick Griffey would just sick his goons on you right from the gate. You pulled up and who the fuck? <laughs> who are who, what? You want to shop? What? Fuck out of here. And you had these yeah. big brothers, you know, big black dudes just at the gate like no. And we we so we you know, we heard a few no's first, you know. But it's like when you believe in yourself so much, you know that the right opportunity is going to come and anyway, right. You know what I mean? And there was at that time it was such a melting pot. This was before a lot of us got deals. And I'm talking about Ice-T. I'm talking about, you know, uh, NWA might have been the only group that had a deal at that time um, over at Ruthless with Ice Jerry. Ice-T's record came out the same year as yours, right? Yeah, but he had little indie records before that. Oh, that's little right. Little indie yeah. records. Um, and then so we'd all hang out down here on Sunset at a club called Water the Bush. Water the Bush was thrown by those dudes from the Zulu Nation who would come from New York, Africa Bambada and them dudes, Africa Islam and all them dudes, um, Fable from Rocksteady Crew. They got, you know, they'd rent a club. And then all of hip hop people that were trying to get in the game would go there on Tuesday nights. So in there you would see people like Fishbone, people like uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers, um, Cypress Hill before they were on, myself, You'd see people like Everlast before he got his record deal. Um, and Ice-T would be all in there. And then you'd see actors even like Denzel Washington early on in his career. You know what I mean? People wow. like Christian Hasoy would hang out there yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, And that one by one, the record companies came would go to that place and fish us out and give us record deals. And then the scene started to get smaller and smaller and smaller because now the rest of us were going on tours and 
going abroad and doing things. So the scene started to shrink, and that's wow. what happened. They basically gave us all record deals. <laughs> wow. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> it's phenomenal when you really think about yeah. it. Yeah. 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 yeah, that's fucking awesome. Yeah. They blew everyone up, and then everybody at home's like, man, I miss that club. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, pretty much. We miss those hangs. When, when, when you first got overseas, what you're saying is when, um, and then you said the, like the, they were asking like the black music questions and stuff like that. Was it embraced there, or like at the shows, or did you find resistance from like the, like did the people enjoy it there? Look, as long as if it was in their in their language, mm -hmm. they were down for it. Cool. However, they just wanted to know why I was doing this black music. I'm like, have you seen my skin color? Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah, and and I'd have to explain it and. And how I learned the story at that time, this is way before social media or any mm -hmm. of that stuff. The way we got our knowledge back then was we'd have to cut out newspaper clippings of when uh, somebody landed on the L.A. Times or or if somebody was on the David Letterman show late that night, like Funky 4 Plus One More or something like that. Uh, or when I remember a time that Crazy Legs and Ken Swift appeared on the David Letterman show, Breakdancing. So that's how we got our knowledge, wow. you know what I mean? And we had to piece what hip hop was mentally based on a story to story, clipping to clipping basis. See, so hmm. now I'm going overseas in the 90s, in, in 1990, having to explain to them what I've learned. It started in the Bronx, blacks and Puerto Ricans, yeah. right? And then the West Coast gravitated to it because we started booking some of their bands in L.A. Right. Run DMC, Houdini, you know, LL Cool J, Salt and Pepper, and so on. I'd have to let them know. And then they finally got it. And at first it came off a little racist. Like when you first hear that for the first yeah, time, yeah, like, sure. why are you whoa. doing black music? What? And you're like, whoa, whoa. Yeah, chill out. So take it to about a five. Take, tone it down. You know what I yeah. mean? Mm -hmm. And And... And so that, I mean, at the same time, it's something that had to happen. And that explanation needed to happen for hip hop. Hmm. Wow, that's incredible. That's you, incredible. Uh, you were born in, in Cuba as well. Like, like, were you born in Cuba as well? Yeah. Yeah, and you yeah, yeah that's my brother. Yeah. Matter of fact, we're not in the States unless, if, if I don't win the Cuban lottery. They'll never, there would have never been no Cypress Hill or anything. What? Explain yeah. this to with the, I'm not familiar with the Cuban lottery. I'm sorry. Well, the, the Cuban lottery was something that was offered by the Cuban government to the people who had different ideals than the Castro administration, right? And in the, in the 60s, they had this thing called the Flights of Liberty. You can look it up. It's Googleable. And the Flights of Liberty, uh, parents were allowed to leave the country if they had children. However, stipulation was one of those children had to hit the lottery number base. Like it was like on a lottery principle, wow. right? So when my older sister was born, her lottery number didn't come up. My brother Sendog was born, his number didn't come up. Now I'm born third, my number hits. Wow. And that's the only way we got off the island. Now this is way before the 1980 boat lift you know, of the Madiel boat lift that everybody knows that Scarface came over yeah. on or whatever. We're talking about 1967 when I was born. They didn't let us leave till 71, however, because what they were trying to do at, through those four years was break my father's will to come here. And they, they, put him, they stripped him of his teaching degrees that he had in Cuba, Jesus. English, math, 
and physical ed, and they put him to work in the sugarcane fields and in the sewers. And they said, why would you want to go to America? These are the kind of jobs you're going to get, right? But my father didn't believe it because he already had a buddy who had come to the United States and, and got a job at Delta Airlines, and he set my dad up with a job already when he got here. So he, he, would, he would write my dad letters and, and let him know, like, don't believe what they're trying to tell you that I already have, I put in a, a good you know, word for you at the job here at Delta Airlines. Next thing you know, <clears throat> we get to the States, 1971. My dad starts working right away at Delta Airlines and keeps that job for 33 years. Oh, wow. I, that's remarkable. That's what they try to do. Oh, you know what I mean? I mean, it's it's not, but it is. You but, know, it's but they're going to hear about it. Yeah. yeah, no, that's ruthless. the Cuban lottery system. Why? Uh, why? What? Like, why would they offer? And that's you know, you, maybe we don't have the answers to this, but why would they offer the the lottery system if they were just going to try to make the person stay in the first yeah. place? You know what? That's a great question. I don't know, but they there was a lot of people that were that had different philosophies than the Castro administration. And enough to the point where they had to create this, you know. And then you think about what happened in, the, in 1980 with the Mariel boat lift. Mm -hmm. And those that was basically Fidel Castro giving you the rip, the, the murderers, the rapists, the thugs, the crooks, the thieves, the killers. You know what I mean? That was what that was all about, to rid the island of those kind of people. Wow. So. Is there any herb on the island? Huh? Was there any herb on the island at all? No, and as a matter of fact, even to this day, if you're caught smoking weed in Cuba, you'll go to prison. Yeah, it's bad news It's like there. Japan. I th I th yeah. Probably worse. Maybe. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. there's no... Really that bad, huh? Yeah. Yeah, no weed wow. in Cuba. When did, where, did, where did you discover it? Where did you, yeah, where did you discover weed? Same, same as... Southgate, California. Same as your brother, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good old Southgate, California, South That's Central awesome. LA. Yeah? Absolutely. And yeah. Where, where, do you remember what the first time was introduced to you? Yeah, well, see, Sendog had already been smoking when... I. I want to say by the time he was 12 years old, because I noticed there was a change in my brother ever since he started getting high, because I'm the little brother. So there was a time where we would play baseball together in, in, in teams, baseball teams a lot. And one year he just stopped playing and I knew something was wrong. And he was get, becoming way more rebellious, you know what I mean? So one day I realized it. He was, I caught him smoking some weed. And, and I wanted my big brother, you know what I mean? So I wanted to be near him. And so I remember at 14 is when he smoked me out my first joint. You know what I mean? So I was like, okay, now I can hang out with the, with my big yeah. bro again and his friends and, and do all that. But so I would, uh, yeah, that's when it happened. Yeah. Did you like it for the first time? I don't remember, man, to be honest with you. I just know that I kept on doing it. <laughs> so I must have liked it, yeah. That's yeah. amazing. How did yeah. you guys get into breakdancing and shit like that? Like, how did, how did that happen? Well, I mean, that was a lot of our... See, we were baseball players, and our dad was grooming us to be baseball players, right? So because the C-average thing came in at that time, you had to have a C-average in school and keep your grades above a C-average, right? And we were both fresh off the boat from Cuba, we had to learn English. So we were always late in learning. Right. Mm -hmm. So we were getting frustrated because the C average thing kept us off the field. We couldn't play. So luckily for us, hip hop was blooming at that time. And lo and behold, here comes pop locking and break yeah. dancing. And this is really fucking cool. Let's jump into that. 
you right. know? Next thing you know, we see movies like Crush Groove, Wow Style. Mm. These movies came out and showed us that we could actually take this thing to a bigger place than just the street corner. So it kind of all just dominoed effect That's for cool. us, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and it all happened at the, at the right it's time. a wave of creativity. Yeah. Yeah. It's really cool. Mm-hmm. And so uh, your kids, well, one of your kids is old enough to tour with you. Are all your kids, are they full grown by now? Are they? My youngest has just turned 19. Wow. Well, yeah. How did you approach cannabis with them? Like, did you just, like, they know dad obviously smokes, so they know Cypress Hill. Like, what was it? Was it, was it a bit more conservative oh, yeah. approach? I honestly, I, my oldest son, he's on all types of shit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I didn't have those conversations with him. He just was out there experimenting. My youngest, my second son, I thought it'd be good for business for him to start smoking because as a producer, you know, you can vibe with the artist that you're oh, yeah. producing yeah. and working for. So I, I introduced it to him like that. And I got high with him first, you know what I mean? Mm. And then my daughter, with my daughter, I still haven't had that conversation. I don't think she smokes yet, but I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. And you never know. My, it might, she might go a different direction, huh? Kids, yeah, well, kids are just, you can't predict it. Yeah, you know, but they, they, I think they all know that they could come to me. You right, know, I'm right. not that suit and tie dad that's going to, yeah, you know, can, be all They can ask you questions shit. and yeah. talk to you. You'd rather have them talk to you anyways than go learn it somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool, man. It's great you can be over with your kids. Absolutely. I mean, that's what it's all about, really. I mean, I, I didn't have that with my parents. You know what I mean? They were both super Christian and... You know, we had to go to church every fucking Sunday. Yeah. Oh, Jesus, Bob, church, the <laughs> Bible. Oh. And it's like, when I became a parent, I said to myself, I don't want to be like that. Right. I don't want to wholly roll my kids into the fucking, you know what I mean? Into it. And so I'm not that parent. Right. I'm not that dude on purpose. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because right. it just it became too much. And when your kids were younger, was that hard for you to deal with? No. Because you had to go on the road and you had to. No, no, no. No, I mean, they they knew what the hell we did, you know. Right. Uh, and it was long as everybody has electricity at home, and the, it's all and the heater good. works in the yeah. winter, and the, the the fan works in the summer. You yep. know, nobody gives a shit. Everything they got good. two of everything. It's great. You know, so. That's awesome. Yeah. So that they're all right. They're doing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Where, where do you live now? Like with still the same area? No. Well, not too far from there. I mean, I, I've I've lived everywhere. I've been all around the world. And I, 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 you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you, when, when I, I remember when I first made it, I lived an hour east of L.A. Where, where we grew up in Southgate. Okay. And then I was like, man, going back home to visit my mom is like a bitch. It takes too long. So then I moved, to get, moved back and then, you know. So I've been all around the city and now I live probably about 20 minutes from her on the same freeway path on a 710 oh, mm-hmm. freeway. Easy, mm-hmm. huh? So, yeah, that's where I'm at. Perfect. You know, I've been in the valley. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't moved out of state yet or anything like that. Right. The valley's too hot, man. <laughs> I love yeah, it hot. Know, I had some good get... times in the valley, man. Yeah. Everybody at that time was living out there. It's like you run into rappers at the grocery stores. Right, out there, there used to be you know a scene mean? out there. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I ran into corrupt WC and Everlast. You know, be real. All of us kind of gravitated to the valley for a while. That's cool. Yeah. Random. Yeah. <laughs> do you still do you still smoke weed all the time? Not as much. No. Not as much. I'm more of a wine drinker now, you know. Hmm. It's because I had heart surgery, so my doctor's oh, you like, did? you know, hey dude, 
it's time to chill. Wow. Yeah. Glass of wine's good for you, though. Yeah, yeah, a little nice red wine. So if you wanted to consume cannabis, you'd probably have to eat it or something. Well, I, I use CBDs and all okay. that kind of stuff. You know. and, and you find the CBD helps you? Absolutely. Wow. Yeah, yeah. But what, you use it for your heart or you use it for just everything? Well, I use the internal one, mm-hmm. you know, the liquid, mm-hmm. and then I use the creams and a lot of those products on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How often are you still touring? Well, I'm on tour right now, and I think, well, I mean, I've never really stopped doing shows, mm-hmm. not so much tours, mm-hmm. you know, for us, from back in the old school, a tour was 30 to, 30 dates or more in a right, row. Right, right. Okay, right. That's what a tour was. Right. Now a tour is spaced out a month, a show here a month, one over there. Right. Now they change with the yeah, whole it, it's, it's like a description for when the, when the band is actively touring or promoting an album right. now. We're on so tour. we're on tour yeah, for the next year, but really like you're on the, <laughs> you're on the road for seven weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So I never stopped doing that, you know, and now as of right now, currently I'm on the, uh, the Dub Magazine tour and our next stop will be, um, I believe it's Corona, California. Then we do um, Albuquerque, New Mexico after that. Albuquerque, the dub, the dub scene's huge out there. The car Big scene, time. yeah. Huge there. The car show scene's dope, man. Like a lot, uh, I, I, I don't know. If we have a lot of car, we, we have car shows, but I, I don't think it's everything down here is this. Funny. The car culture here is different. It's so intertwined with the music. Right. Sure. And yeah, and, 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 and as you know, because you've played a lot of them, going to the car shows is like going to a music festival. Really? Yeah. It's the same thing. Yeah. 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 Really? Huge. Is, it the cla- is it classic cars, new cars, all car- what, what is it? Yeah, both. Well, a lot of low riders, classic low riders, cars. Yeah, both. And, and, and modern, modern cars. Absolutely, yeah. So especially awesome. at the dub show, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's some that are just devoted to just low lows. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, and then the, then you have the ones that are a mixture of both. Um, you have your your street racers, or you have and you have lolos or something like that. And within the lolos, you know, you can get trucks. You can get, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. A lot of different from, you, you know, from even old bombs. You know, the gangster Al Capone cars. Yeah. You know, oh, cool. All that kind of stuff. So I love it. That's awesome. They send a lot of features and shit like that. What's that? They send in like like they send in features. Like do they like do they order these features? Like they got like the old Al Capone car. Like we got to get the dude with the Al Capone car. Like is it like is there feature cars there or does everybody just kind of gravitate well, to it? Some feature when, cars when, sometimes. Sorry, this way off face. I'm just interested when, in. <laughs> no, nah, when when a company says we're doing this car show, they kind of have a a representative in a lot of different cars clubs that they mm. can tap into and say, hey, we're doing this show. Get your registrations in. They cost one hundred and twenty-five dollars. That's fucking for cool, instance, right? Right. And then within that, you'll get different car clubs from East LA, Whittier, Compton, and all this, and they'll bring their specific whatever they do. So right. if in Compton they got guys that have nothing but sixty-four Impalas, that they'll bring twelve of those. And then in right. East LA is where you usually find a lot of the bombs. You know, the the, the El Capone cars, mm-hmm. the thirty nines, your forties, your forty ones, and they'll bring them in a click of you know whatever 10, 15 right. guys cool. who come like that. Yeah, you know that's what I mean? fucking cool. So that's how that goes down. It's awesome. That is fucking yeah. awesome. Car culture is pretty cool. It's, it's super cool. very West Coast. Yeah, I mean, thing, I, man. yeah, it's uh, it, it does exist where we are, but it's not. It's like there's not like. That guy sounds like he's a fucking car show curator, and that's what he does, and he has all these hookups, yeah, and he yeah, fucking brings yeah, it all yeah, in. Exactly. That's fucking neat, man. That's cool. Because <laughs> right. awesome. car, car culture is kind of limited on the East Coast because just the, the, the weather. The weather, right. Yeah, yeah the weather. I mean, it you got to really uh, rust out a, the bottom of a car. And, and also in, in hip-hop, I, I perceive this, uh, 
maybe not nowadays, but back in the day, I felt like people in hip hop were more about cars here and more about jewelry on the East Coast. Facts. Hmm. Like, you, know, you, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, yeah, now that you say it, for sure. Well, yeah, yeah. Too, the other thing, too, in the East Coast, you didn't need a car because you had subway trains. Exactly. So the, those guys have saved a lot of money compared <laughs> yeah, to those guys <laughs> on the West Coast. You know what I mean? For real. Yeah, because if you could write, we didn't have subway trains in the 80s and 90s right. even. You know yeah. what I mean? They didn't reopen till what, early 2000? Yeah. And they, and they barely go anywhere. <laughs> yeah, know, like, reopen, exactly. reopen. So so those were just like they're dormant for some there time? Was, they were dormant for a long time. L.A. had a subway originally. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, wow. And yeah, cable cars. Yes. The, the original trolleys, station yeah. for those is the Epitaph Records building. Really? So like, yeah. Yeah. See, yeah. I, I knew that there was, I knew that, oof, I'm fucking getting schooled this fucking week. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to California. Yeah, it's fucking awesome, man. It's fucking great. Way to, wow. Um, were you guys smoking weed all the fucking time growing up, like just constantly? When by the time I smoked my first joint, it, it never ended that for yeah. me. Yeah. And so Sen was already smoking because mm. he he was he 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 kind of got rebellious towards pops, so he was already hanging out with a different crowd. And I was like, right. who the fuck is these dudes? You know what I mean? And and he doesn't know it, but to this day, there's certain dudes from back then that I don't like that kind of feel like it. They took my brother from me. You know what I mean? Whoa. Really? Well, yeah. You know, as a little brother, you always Dang. looking for, hey, that's my big brother. What right. the fuck? You know, I want to be around that. You know what I mean? I want to be with him. Absolutely. You know what I mean? But I think once we started smoking weed and I was able to get close to him again because I, now we can identify with what the you fuck's connect. going on. Yeah. Um, you know, it just never stopped from there. You know uh, what I mean? Mm -hmm. I might have gone a, a year here and a year there, you know? When my mom was just Bible thumping the shit out of me, like, mm -hmm. go back to church and yeah. blah, 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 Jesus. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know what I mean? <laughs> that's so funny. Is your mom still with us? Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's awesome. And my dad, too. So. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. So, so anyway, if she's like, listening, you better get to church. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I ain't coming, mom. <laughs> <laughs> And and uh, as everybody, everybody's, I'm sure, good now, and everybody's tight and stuff like that now. Do you, do you, and I know she doesn't smoke weed because I remember no. we talked to Sen about this. Because right, Sen, right. Sen said he hides out back with his kids and <laughs> yeah, smokes weed. Right. Yeah. Hides from your mom. But are you, are you close with your parents and, and everything's cool now? Like? I like to think so. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm no mama's boy either. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I've never been that dude. Um, and, and Pops was a, dis a disciplinarian. He'd hit you with, like, some old back mountain military Cuban type. Uh, uh, spankings and shit like yeah. that, mm -hmm. and his punishments were were very, you know. Here it'd be child abuse for Old sure. School. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, but you know, I like to think like I'm good. You know, we're close in in the sense of you know, if if I need them to hear some shit, I I'm going through. Of course, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. Shit yeah. like that, and that's your parents. You only get two of those. You know what I mean? Yeah, and absolutely. So yeah, I like to I like to believe so. That's yeah. great. And then um, your sisters. So yeah, your so there's three kids in your family. Four. Four kids. Are you the youngest? My sister is my younger sister. Oh, so Who's you're the middle. You're the, the middle one who child. Plays in the Mentiroso video. Yeah. Oh, really? So yeah. you're so you're the middle child, and so um, yeah, I'm the forgotten so, child. So, so, yeah, I was too. <laughs> yeah. I'm the one they left in the church bus once. Really? Yeah. Shit what? parked back at the church, and I'm asleep on the floor, and they had to come no. back. And get, yeah, I'm that guy. <laughs> I'm the one. I'm the one. There's no pictures of. They got bored. Yeah. By, they got yeah. bored by the there time. There isn't any pictures yeah. of me in Cuba, man. That's fucked up. 
Yeah, Sendall got pictures. My older sister what? Myra got pictures, but there's no pictures miraculously of me. Yeah, the middle kid. Because yeah. by the time they get to number three, the parents are yeah, tired. Yeah, it's like man. you're not the oldest, the newborn, <laughs> yeah. and you're not the first daughter, and you're not the first son. You're just like the second of this bunch of eaters. You know. Yeah. The next podcast I get to do is we call Middle Child. And we're, we're going to exercise all these fucking demons. That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. But you guys, what's that? Do, do your sisters have kids as well? They're no, together. they don't. Actually. Oh, no? They don't. Sen and I are the only ones that got kids. Wow. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Really? Still a pretty big family, though. No. Actually, I mean, you got to remember, we, we came to this country. Right. It was six people. Yeah. Six people. Yeah. It's so a small it's unit of. I I never yep. knew my grandparents, grand uh, uncles, aunts, mm. cousins. You know what I mean. So it was us six, and if we didn't mm. figure that shit out, it didn't get solved. You know what I mean. Totally. Mm. Wow. But you know, now I have three kids, and Sen has three kids. I think now four, maybe. Family's growing. Um. And so that's the extent of it, though. We are the uncles. We are the fathers. We yeah. are the brothers. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we're a little bit of everything. Wow. Yeah, we are the grandparents. You know what I mean? Wow, yeah, yeah. Because wow. all of those people were, you know, didn't want to leave Cuba. Our family members, right? See, when I won the lottery, our family, the whole family could have came. Really, really. Grandparents, aunts, uncles, they and so they were like, ah, we don't want to. We've been here in Cuba all our lives. We don't want to start a new life somewhere else. Type of shit, and have to learn a whole new language. That was their philosophy. They're already older. They were older, hmm. but, you know, they're still there. My, my two aunts on my father's side, my uncle, Upiano, he's out there, and all their kids are all musicians. And really? It's, well, that's and, the and family business. You can see them now. Well, yeah, I can see them on, on Messenger that's right. now. They got cell phones. and There was a lot of years you couldn't see them. No, there was right? a lot of years we couldn't. Your whole so, life. So right. you reconnected with your family back there since? Well, through Messenger, yeah, I that's have great. been able to connect with cousins, aunts, you know, wow. uncles, you know. They must be just blown away with what you guys have done with your your lives. With your oh, life. yeah. Especially now since Sendog got the star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame and all yeah. that, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, they were always really proud of just the fact that we became the first ones to do Spanish rap here yeah, yeah. and all that. And that's a big deal for our family members in Cuba. And, and I, I, have you ever, I guess you probably never went back to play. I know it's really hard to get over there. but how, I haven't been back, period. Yeah, well, I've never been back. No. Oh, because you guys can't, because the states can't travel back and forth. Would yeah, you have been allowed now. to travel back and forth with the lottery? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My 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 father's gone back. Um, you know, my mother just really put a lot of fear <clears throat> into the the rest of us to not go back. And her philosophy was always that you shouldn't need permission to go home. Yeah, you're you know right. What I mean, you shouldn't need permission to go home. You're absolutely. And having to to deal with. Uh, you know, the Cuban government at that time when she was a president of an anti-Fidel Castro movement group here. Oh, wow. Our names might have been on a watch list of some sort, you know. Wow. That type of Revolutionary, thing. Revolutionary, huh? Yeah. Wow. So that your parents, like, clearly, like, really resented... The, resented my mother more than my father. Like I said, my father returned back in 1979 before his father died. And he was able to spend some time with him um, that, but it wasn't until recent that one of us, the, the siblings went back, my younger sister and her husband went back, went to Cuba, uh, I want to say it was early last year or the year before that, and they were able to visit family and mm -hmm. take pictures and do all this, wow. visit my grandfather's house where we were all born at and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. 
It's incredible. I'm going to shift back over to weed for a bit. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Just because it is a weed podcast, we, we could talk about the, like, that. I'm fascinated by all that. Um, when you guys were smoking, like, like, what was the weed like when you guys first got in? It was just, what was the weed like? Cause it's hard to imagine your guys crew not smoking excellent cannabis, but there must have been a time when it was sparse. Well, you got what you got. I remember the first joint, like, for instance, that I smoked Be Real out because Be Real was really devoted to pop locking and stuff like that. So when I brought him over to the hood, um, I I turned him on to this shit called Chocolate Tie at the time. And that was a real potent, yeah. good weed at that time to have. You know what I mean? Now, of course, you know, there was times where we had no money and we had to, or we had a little bullshit bush in the backyard we had to trim from and, you know, <laughs> do some backyard boogie shit. But for the most part, we'd, we'd go into the South Central and I'm not trying to, you know, throw nobody under the bus, but the Jamaicans in South Central, uh, <coughs> 42nd Street, uh, <laughs> um, had the bomb-ass indica stuff. Wow. You know what I mean? And they, their shit was, you had a 20 bag, it looked like a 40 bag, and it was bomb. That shit will get you fucked up. Five, six heads, you know what I mean? That's great. So what we would do is we'd just, we, we all save our lunch money and not eat lunch during the week at school, and all the homies, we put our money together on the weekends, Friday, Saturday. And then the one guy would borrow the car from his mom, go run the mission to the, go see the go Jamaicans, come back. And we'd have an abundance of fucking indica. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah. And what yeah. were those sessions like? And then you had skunk weed. Skunk was bomb, too. Skunk. What was skunk? Just it's skunkier it's, kind of weed. It's skunkier, yeah. stickier. Yeah, yeah. Stickier shit. I remember you look at it, it just glistened in the sun, you know what I mean? So you guys were you guys were growing weed in your backyards like even back then? We accidentally grew a big ass tree one year. Because <laughs> we were well, we were we, my in my mom and dad's house, they had a room in the backyard behind the garage. It was a room that when they were gone, we'd go sit there and have sessions. Sort of like when you watch that the 70s show. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. And we'd sit in a circle in a cipher and everybody would get high, right? <laughs> but what we would do, we'd get the seeds and throw them right out the window. So uh, what we didn't know, it was growing a fucking... No. Next thing you know, our, 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 our homeboy, Kurt, comes from across the street. And he's like walking by. He's like, dude, when did you guys start growing this shit? I'm like, what? Because at the time, I didn't know what the fuck it looked like like that. You know what I mean? In a big ass tree form. And he's like, dude, look, at it was up to the roof. What? It was up to the top of the roof of the of the garage room, and he 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 cut it up for us, dried it out, cured it, did all that, brought it back to us in a shoebox, and we were just smoke. You guys must have been That's so amazing. happy. Oh man, you don't even know. You don't even know. Yeah, it was accidental. It was freakish how we grew the first tree. So did you keep growing it because of that? No, we didn't. We didn't. Wow. We didn't. That's we didn't hilarious. know how. It, it, like, it just happened. It, it happened that one time because we were all just throwing the seeds out there. What was the guy that found it? Lucas? What, Kurt. 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 Yeah. yeah. I wonder how much Kurt actually took. Shout I wonder how much your fucking three weeks actually out got. Kurt. He came yeah. back in a shoebox. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so, wait, where's the rest yeah. of this shit at? You know? <laughs> but you loved it, though. Yeah. And, and everybody was telling you, hey, man, fucking Kurt, man. Fucking Kurt. I think he stole a whole bunch of stems. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> 
How the fuck do we just got a shoebox? You know what I mean? <laughs> Big ass tree with three stems and shit. And, and he's know? probably home smoking. They didn't even know they had this tree anyways, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Right he he yeah. was that kind of motherfucker too. <laughs> right. He was. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> shout it's out crazy. Kurt. Yeah, shout out to Kurt. <laughs> shout out to Kurt. <laughs> yeah. And noticing the weed tree. And it was, that's a fucking, cra- it's pretty remarkable. That the, like wheat's not easy to grow, that it just grew by itself. Yeah. It, it did. Like I mean, weeds. we we smoked so much, and we brought so much of that stuff from the Jamaicans that every seed that we pulled out, you know, you're not going to leave it in the joint. You don't want to no smoke way. the seed. No, no pops. So we there was a window here, and there was a window here. We had the 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 cipher was always like this, right? We right. Had chairs. The windows here. Mm-hmm. So whoever's rolling the weed <laughs> is breaking it up, separating the seeds and the stems, and we just go right out the you know, right out the window, so right there. And there was a patch. It was a patch about the size of uh, of of that right there. Yeah. That stereo, yeah. whatever that is. Mm-hmm. And in there, it was all dirt. And that's where the, the, the tree ended up growing up out of. So it was it's actually incredible. like just a perfectly little yeah. potted Sendog plant. didn't tell you this story? No. Sendog didn't tell us the yeah, story. Yeah, he, he, he fucking he blew it. He should have told you. He, he fucking yeah, blew yeah, the story. <laughs> yeah. Fucking guy. That's amazing. He's still yeah. mad at Kurt. <laughs> He's still mad at, he, he really is. Man. He really is. They don't fuck with each other right now. That's so funny. Yeah. Yeah. But that would, like, thank God the fucking cops didn't find that. Like, no, no, way, no, know, no way a cop's going to be like, hey, we accidentally grew a tree of weed. Yeah, like, right. Okay. Yeah. Well, that Kids, was, that was before know? they were doing the infrared searches and all right. that type of stuff. Right. So we're, we're talking about 1984, 85 and now. Yeah, we were still like some of us were still in school. Yeah, that's when that crazy. happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dang. So we got to the point. Yeah, where you're when Mentirosa hit, it yeah. was huge, and you did you did Arsenio Hall, you did all the big shows. Yeah. Uh, I and you were talking about that Stevie B tour. What were I? I, I just want to know because I nerd out on all the stuff. What what were some of the most remarkable tours or shows you did and in that time and what what did that lead to from them after that you know different <laughs> ventures and things you did i i'd have to say uh, and i say this often when i'm asked this question i think touring colombia with air supply was what? was spectacular and we're talking about soccer stadiums wow. of a hundred thousand seaters in colombia bogota medellin cali colombia that tour was insane. Here's why. One is when I got off the airplane, there was over 150 to 200 journalists waiting for us on the tarmac. Wow. Okay. They didn't even let us get into the airport before they hit us with a barrage of fucking questions. The next day, and, and they kept us there on the tarmac for about an hour, hour and a half until everybody got their fucking story. Next day, we wake up in the hotel room. There's a pile of newspapers of everything that we said the night before when we touched down, right? And you had them all. So to this day, I have all those paper clippings cut out in in, in folders and, you know, in uh, photo albums of that I keep in what I, you know, my archives and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Second part of that tour was as we're entering the stadium, the Coliseum of of, uh, Bogota, Colombia, we hear a huge explosion, okay? And we're in a like a minivan thing that the promoter's bringing us through. Stadium's packed out. You can hear it from as we're coming in. Um, this is during the Pablo Escobar years. Uh, so you hear a huge explosion. And, you know, we're from 
L.A., we've heard some gunshots and oh, shit yeah, like yeah. that, but we haven't heard, boom, you yeah. know what I mean? Mm. We get, they shovel us into the stadium, get us to the backstage area, and at this time, Julio G was my DJ. Yeah. My two sisters were dancing, so we figured, hey, man, you know, we came all this way, we gave it a good run, it's fucked up, they're going to cancel this fucking show. Yeah. Promoter walks in. You guys got six minutes before you get on stage. And we're like, wait a minute. We heard an explosion. He goes, yeah, they just blew up an army truck. That's the happens here all the time. What? He's just like, what? Exactly. Holy fuck. We go on stage. 80,000 people. Not sweating the fucking army truck that just got blown going up. Going off. Waiting to hear about the man hates an air supply. They're probably like, hey, Holy this is fuck. our reality. This is our escape. Remember, I'm party. Right. It, it was during right. the Escobar years. So that kind of shit where his goons and his, you know, henchmen were killing motherfuckers. You know what I mean? Wow. And, and, blow, and if they didn't own the politician, I'm sure they were going to blow his fucking car up and do all right. that type of shit. And that right. happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jeez. With air supply. Air supply. Did you did you how did that I, did tour you have, get contact with them? Did you meet them? Yeah, we were on the same tour. So they were four just, states. And they hung out. They were cool. Yeah, at that time we're talking about 1991. Wow. You know what I mean? Huge. To this day, that tour is considered the biggest gross tour of Colombian history. Wow. Bogota, really? absolutely, that's incredible. Yeah. And and so they and were just the two bands on the bill. Like you guys and just them? myself and Air Supply. And you were introducing the sound. I was to everyone opening. Out there. No, I was headlining. No, just kidding. No, I was opening for head for them. Yeah. And once again, you were being an ambassador for the genre over there. Absolutely. They hadn't heard yes. it yet either. They had never heard rap in Spanish. Wow. Or bilingual. No. That's incredible. Wow. Did they just go fucking off? They went the fuck off. <laughs> nice. Yeah. yeah I, bet. I mean, you can see guys like kids head spinning and shit. <laughs> yeah. Because wow. breakdance was 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 big at still at that time there. So finally someone's coming here and playing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, uh, to them, you know, it was just it was a new phenomenon. And for for guys like Air Supply, they had been living all over through that part of the globe for a long time and touring there where they didn't even feel the need to come back to the States at that time. Wow. So where we thought, oh, they faded into obscurity and blah, blah, blah. Them motherfuckers was fucking bitches in Spain, Colombia, (laughs) Portugal. You know what I mean? They was out there living the Vida Loca, player. Air supply. (laughs) Air fucking supply. You heard it here first. <laughs> Air supply gets down. Yeah, dude. like yeah. what? But there's a, there's I, I know several bands Air that don't like that don't like um like Canadian bands that do really well. Like they just can't break the fucking states for whatever reason, and then they do really well. Like you know, like there's a band called Billy Talent. You probably heard of Billy Talent. Big in Germany. This, this band is like took us on. I used to tour and stuff like that too. Took us on our first. Um, like stadium tour and shit like that. We're just opening first to three kind of thing. Super nice guys. And then they just never, never really, nothing happened for them down here. I think they make people play three, 400, 500 people. But yeah. in Germany, Canada, fucking England, they're playing fucking stadiums. So they don't care. Same, no. they, like they, they have a full on career. They didn't even miss a just beat. Just go to the market. And now work. they're back here in the States, Air, Air Supply. Yeah. I followed them on Facebook and they're fucking oh, still cool. doing their thing. Yeah. But there was a time period. You know how America is. They're really picky and finicky and they'll fucking move kick side to the side your movement of what you mm. did and act like you didn't Im- it totally yeah, weren't yeah. impactful as fuck yeah. and then they move on to the next shit and then yeah. 10 years go by 
and you turn into a classic, and they're yeah. right back on you, like, yeah, man, I fucking always loved your shit. Yeah. But I was like, back in the day. <laughs> exactly. But where were you last 10 fucking years when yeah. I needed 20 bucks? Exactly, yeah. man. You know what I mean? God. Yeah. That's crazy. That happens. It's so true, though, that that Trends come full time. circle, man. Yeah. Musical styles. Oh, and then people say they were always on board and they weren't always on. You know, you see that fucking. I'll take a bullet for you. Shit <laughs> totally. goes down there, the first one's running. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit different than the my examples in my head. <laughs> well, no, I mean, when you come from where yeah. I come from For in sure. Southgate, it's it's the hood. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And in there, you got little smooth, slick talking motherfuckers. Man, I got your back all fucking day, motherfucker. I got your back. It's uh, blah blah. You know that type of shit. And then when some shit does go down, or the trends change, they the first one abandoning the ship. Right. Really. You know. Yeah. And it happens. You guys must have seen some wild shit in Southgate, like just like a lot of. Well, I mean, it's the same as any other hood. You got some shit. You got some bullshit. You got some good shit. You got some good people. You got some fucked up people. You know what I mean? But it wasn't. It wasn't as bad as Watts, Mm -hmm. Compton, Linwood, Mm -hmm. because the police in in Southgate was really like hardcore. Mm You know, and there was their shit. We had our share of shootings and whatnot, but it wasn't like broad daylight, open war, Compton status. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know, but you know, we had our shit. You know, we we weren't far from Watts. You know, we're the next city over. We're the Watts riots of the nineteen what nineteen sixties sixties. Yeah. So, and we you guys, I guess you said sixty. Four, you moved? No, you were born in 67. Seven. Yeah. So you were, you would have just, uh, you, you missed the Watts. You missed all the riots, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah I yeah. didn't even, and if it happened, I wouldn't have known because I didn't know no English. Right. I right, didn't, yeah. you know. When you started rapping in Spanish, what was like, what was, uh, like, what was your lyrical, like, inspiration for the content itself? Like, the, what were you rapping about? Uh, just talking about how bad ass of a motherfucker I was. Nice. <laughs> really. The, the first song I ever wrote professionally was called Mas Pingong. And that's, if you're Mexican, you know yeah. that Mas Chingong is the yeah. parody of that if you're Mexico or Cuba. So it's just, you know, just bragging, braggadocious shit. Just good know. rhymes. Yeah, yeah you yeah, know, yeah. just like yeah. how hip hop started. Yeah, yeah. I got a water bed and tell the TV so I can see the Knicks play basketball. You know, <laughs> <laughs> That's what it was about, you know what yeah. I mean? And, you know, I'm no different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. That's cool. That's super interesting. Did you ever have any problems like uh, with cannabis overseas or anything like that? No, no. Actually, um, only in the state of Arizona. Really? You know, it's a tough one. We were out there doing <laughs> some stuff. We were playing a houseboat. Myself, be real. Uh, Son Doobie, nice. Uh, DJ Lethal, Limp Bizkit. Oh wow! Mm-hmm. Uh, and a couple other of us. I forget who was all there. Fred Reck might have been there. <clears throat> and um, lo and behold, you know, I don't. At that time, I wasn't smoking. And we had a double decker boat where yeah. you know people were coming on board and they were going to see our show b reels up top the rest of us for some reason were downstairs smoking and i wasn't smoking at that time period and man we we were parked we made a mistake they parked the boat on the arizona side instead of the california side if you know that layout of lake havasu right um so police bum rushed the boat from the back end from the land and they came on boats and rushed the boat on four or five boats from the front. And then they they um, arrested all of us, except Be Real, because he was up top where there was no smoking going on, right? So they take us all to jail. 
And if you ever been to Arizona, you know you ha- you see the video judge over the weekend. Yes, yeah, so you know, weird, right? So they they put us all in this big paddy wagon, all of us. And it's, I mean, it's such a cool way to go to jail. If you're gonna go to jail, you want to go to jail with Limp Biscuit, <laughs> Cypress, Hill, you know what I mean? Funk Dubious, Melodies. You just want to go to jail like that because you know all each other. So they put us all in one holding tank. And it's all of us, so nobody was gonna trip from Arizona. Yeah, it's got all these LA boys in there ready to mash the party yeah. up, right? So at one point, it was so many of us in there that they just said, "Look, this is some inhumane shit." So they put us out in the yard, and during the Arizona summer, you know, and you know how hot that could be, and you have every creepy crawlers, you know, coming from out of the desert, you know, and shit biting you in the ass and shit like that. But we had a great time because nobody was tripping. It was 16 of us. Dang, 16, 16 of us. And we're just chilling, telling rap stories and, yo, remember the time Run DMC came to fucking blah, blah, blah. What? And we were just chilling. And then we, on Saturday, they got, we got popped on a Friday. Saturday, we got to see the video judge let us out the next day. Let us out the next day, and we were out back to party. But I mean, we missed our concert on the boat. We missed our wow. show on the boat. No, no. Did they charge us? Like, any charges? Like, we got charged with a bunch of shit because they had found some black tar heroin. Ooh. But one of one of our guys said, "No, it's not black tar heroin. It's mine." He owned up to it. It was just some some hash. Right. Oh. It was just some hash. And I won't say who that was. You know, I'm not gonna throw his shit out. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, that, yeah. But. Um, I remember uh, Lethal was on his way to Vegas after that trip, so he had a pocket full of like sixteen grand in his pocket, and they took that, confiscated it, never oh, gave it back. Fuck. And yeah. and then we got calls later on when we were back home that the judge had dropped the charges on everybody, and we never had to go back. He's like, "Man, I'll keep the charges, give him my money back." That's what he, <laughs> right. he tried to get his money back. He did try to get his money back. Well, and if you happened. talk to him nowadays, he's like, "Man, bro, I never got my shit." Really? Yeah, if you see Lethal, ask him, hey, man, Melo said really? blah, blah, blah. You tell you, yeah, I still haven't got it. No way. Wow. Yeah, because I just did a show with him with House of Pain uh, last year. Last year, and he told me then that he still hadn't got it. Wow. So um, what do you guys, what do you got next? We've, we've taken up a ton of your time. What do you got, what's coming up next for you? You got your shows coming up next? You got any? You got, yeah. yeah. Uh, dub tour, right? The dub we got tour. the dub yeah. tour. I'll be in Chicago um, next, in June. Then we go to the, back on the dub tour. This this Chicago date is not part of that, and then neither is San Antonio. It's just more like a spot date. So mm-hmm. I'll be in all those places. And what's really got me excited, you know, is just being able to bring the gospel of Mellow Man Ace mm-hmm. to town. I'm not one of them dudes that has a lot. Like I'm not doing a movie project or anything like that. Mm-hmm. That's not that's not what I'm about. It's not, your you know, style. It's not my deal. I don't think enough people would care. Um, however, I do have a book that's about eighty-five percent done. Wow! And wow! I'm, and I'm looking forward to you know to the day that I actually finish the book. Wow, that'll yeah. be a fucking banger. That's cool, yeah. and that's just about your your life. Yeah, yeah the, the the life of what it was like to start Spanish rap and bilingual rap. Wow, that is so hip hop cool. and my journey, you know, in that. You have to promise me that you're going to voice the fucking audio buckets yourself because I'm fucked on audio yeah, buckets. Yeah, yeah, I am. I am because, <laughs> you know, we have a studio at home, so I'll just be able to Flash do it in. like that and then track it all out. And That's amazing. Fuck, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Fuck. And thanks for inspiring so many people. <laughs> Thank you, brother. You're welcome. It's incredible, man. man. You're welcome. Thanks for changing everything, bro. You're welcome. You know, because no I mean, without you doing that, you think about how hip hop carries over into all popular culture. There might be a billboard in Spanish for a fucking burrito 
But it wouldn't have been in Spanish if people like you didn't make it possible for all of us to be who we are. Thank you, brother. You know, break appreciate down yours, that. So. I appreciate Thank it. You. Right. Thank you. Thank you. Mellow Man Aces. Thanks for telling us how you got out of the weeds, man. <laughs> Fuck, what a trip. Oh, Fuck. You. That was incredible. Right on. Thank you so much, dude. Yeah, Thank man. you so much. That was, that super was a fun. good interview. Really good interview. Awesome. I, I, awesome. I, I, Thank I, you. I, yeah, I, was, I was still pressing record. Away, I was dude. still pressing record. I had to press stop. We got a compliment from Mellow Man. This a episode good yeah, was yeah. presented <laughs> by Pop Guide and WikiLeaf. Please follow ITW on Twitter and Instagram at Get Into The Weeds. You can follow Ben Rispin at Ben Rispin. You can follow Ephraim Martinez Schulz at F by Stereo. And me, Bubba Nicholson at Bubba Nicholson. ITW's theme music was written by Jacob Bergsma of My Son the Hurricane. Visit them at www.msthofficial.com. Special thanks to our friends at Puff Digital, Program Skate and Sound, and the Slide Bar in Fullerton, Orange County. Sound engineering provided by Roman Marconi at Halo Studios Hamilton. ITW was created by Ben Rispin and is produced by Master Volume.